Welcome to Exploring Creativity. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and provide a community for creative people all over the world. On this podcast, we explore a variety of topics with a multifaceted group of creative people. We explore these topics in hopes of broadening your perspective and giving you the tools you need to do your very best work. Today, I'm speaking with Dylan Seals. Dylan is a business owner, audio engineer, and podcast producer. Together, we explored branding, collaboration, the importance of mentors, and so much more. It was a great conversation with a great friend, and I'm super excited for you to hear it. Hey, man. What's up? What's happening? I was looking for a pen because I'm sure I'm going to take some notes. Dude, you're in my mind right now. I got notes as well. Before this gets into us just catching up, um, which I kind of wanted to be relatively informal, I definitely want to get some things out of you. Um, so like I said, for anyone joining right now, I want to introduce Dylan to everyone. Um, I want you to know what he's up to because it's possible that he might be able to assist you with some projects that you might be thinking about or working on or about to work on. And um, for those of you that don't know what Status does, talk about the Branding Content Workshop which is sort of the starting place of uh, working with status. So um, in terms of, of who is Dylan, um, I know a lot about you now. We dove into every possible area we could. Um, based on that, how would you describe yourself now in like one or two sentences? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm an audio engineer committed to going deep on what I do best and providing excellent level of customer service and quality product to my clients. Right. As well as being, uh, uh, you know, the best husband and father I can be. So that seems most within, (laughs) within, we could talk about that all day, but I think it was a career. Yeah. Um, and you know, you came to me about a very specific part of work that you were looking to do. Uh, do you want to kind of talk about that sort of where, where podcasting came into the mix? Yes. So, um, this is, I guess my 20th, 21st year as an audio engineer working professionally outside of school or anything. And I've worn many hats. From early days, I did radio work to television to engineering uh, records in Nashville, mixing records in Nashville, working on live records, just doing a lot of different things Um, and working on the road as well. So uh, a few years ago, I'd been mixing still and doing some work on the road and somebody approached me about working on a podcast and I was like, yeah. I'll try that out. I mean, to me, podcasts hadn't, I hadn't thought much about them since like the early days of the iPod when you could like dock it yeah. and like upload like a podcast. It was like weird. So it wasn't like a thing. Um, but in, was it, was like early 2019, got into uh, working on this one that was a lot of fun. It was for Preemptive Love, which is a nonprofit that um, organizes aid and support for Syrian and Iraqi refugees, primarily, but all sorts of causes all over the world. They're great. Um, and they put together like a 25 or 30 minute sort of update magazine 
in these podcasts and e. there would be audio like from the host, which was like on a, like a studio mic, like an SM7 or something. Mm-hmm. And then, but they'd also have all this audio that was like off of their phone while they were like running around under like a truck, trying not to get shot at and all kinds of crazy stuff. So it was fun to take like all this kind of found audio, mm-hmm. clean it up, present it in a way that was very pleasing and intelligent and it add the music in and I was like, well, I could really like dig this. It felt like sort of doing like a mini EP every week. Mm. Um, and I found that the, my musical ear could really inform and help not only the, like the sonics of the dialogue, but the like pacing of the editing and how the music plays into everything. And anyway, I was like, oh, there's like actually something here more than just banging out some work. Right. So. And then, so the Zinfnet worked on, I think, five podcasts and have three in production right now. And I am loving it. Yeah. Seems like I needed you to help me figure that something out, my my branding out for that. So, yeah. Right. And I I always love that when people say, you know, I needed help, um, figuring out my branding or I needed help with uh, a logo or whatever. I always like to know the motivation behind that. So like you're doing the thing, you're an engineer, you're working, you got a gig, cool. You like it, it seems to really dig it, you want to do more of it. What was sort of that motivation where you were like, I need to speak with me specifically or anyone um, with some more assistance? Um, There's a couple things going on there. One, I've had, I've sort of been like using attrition to figure out again, like, like, reversing three years or looking back three years, I was kind of trying to get out of the road, but I was doing some post-production. I was doing some mixing, a little bit of mastering. And I got it in this head of like, you know, I don't want to be doing this forever where I'm just sort of like hitting, hitting a few different things, scattershot. I was like, I want to zero in on something that feels like it's going to be mine. Um, and a large motivation to do that was so that I can scale Mm -hmm. and I can't scale unless A, I have a really good contribution that's going to work in the marketplace or B, that I have a conceptualization of how to tell my story. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know if I had ever known that branding was a thing that you could hire someone to be assisted with that yeah. not entered my, as a freelancer, you know, it's never really looked at scaling before. And hiring people and trying to build out a big client set. I'd never realized that was a thing until I met you. And I can't recall who it was that you were working with that I had seen a story about or something. Um, probably I saw, was it John? Was, was it Gra- Graver? No, uh, Castelli. Oh, it was Castelli. Yeah. Um, it wasn't him. I mean, I knew that you did that with him mm-hmm. because that's how we met up and, and, um, and I saw that you know, when I was at the first conversation thing I went to in September of 2019, but it was someone else and you would, you had all these things on a whiteboard oh, and yeah. And I was like, it hit me what you were doing. I was like, holy shit, he's extracting things from that man's brain mm. and like putting them out on a board where you can like play with the ideas. And like, I was like, oh, I've got to have that. I have that. Was that. Great, right? Was it? Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, um, wow. It was super powerful for me to see that even if it was like seven seconds of a story or something, I got 
in my, in my mind, I was able to connect the dots. I was like, okay, I need someone to step me through that process because I know I've got good ideas. I know what I want to do, but, um, like any creative, you know, it's not always our first instinct to just like stop and be self-analytical and like, try to, you know, figure all that out. Right. Legitimately like the furthest thing from, like, I enjoy doing that with you because it becomes a creative process, but I, that's something that I can't just sit there and like make a framework for and dive in and like doing my own dental work or something. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's how I became aware of that. I needed this service. Um, I love that. And, and there's something I wanted to, to extract from that, which is this idea of showing your work. Um, so basically if I hadn't shown my work this whole time, yeah. you wouldn't have seen, uh, what, what I was doing. And, um, I'm, what I want to do is kind of pull some lessons as we go for anyone listening that's running their own business, uh, as well, which is, I think showing your work is so important. And we talked about that on the last day about content and how to put that out into the world in a way that's valuable, um, entertaining, useful, but, um, yeah, I think there's such a hesitation to show your work, you know, we were actually right here, uh, right, right in front of me. Um, and Graver was over with Reed, who is his assistant. Um, and we were doing a, uh, branding workshop for John and, um, I like documenting things. It's fun to take photos and kind of capture energy in a room through photography, but which kind of gives me an advantage in terms of like, okay, I don't feel insecure about the image that I'm going to share, but honestly, like it's not even about the image quality per se. It's not about the composition per se. If you know that that's going to help a ton, obviously it's going to give you even more reason to kind of continue to follow and look at what people are doing. So consider that, but just show your work, you know, whatever it is like this weird, like I was working on your logos the other day and I shared like this zoomed in crazy, like I, you probably saw, you didn't even know it was for you, but like, um, this is zoomed in, um, very, uh, Miori pattern design that was messing with my eyes, but it was so big on my screen. I was like, that's cool. Like just photo post done. And like, what does it do? It's, it's signaling in a way, like we're working, we're, we're, we're coming up with stuff. Things are moving forward, but it gives people a reason to support. It gives people something to kind of latch onto and, and something to support. Um, not just the big milestones, the big releases, but instead those small things, you know, the work that we're doing, you know, every day. So, um, I just wanted to, to mention that not to pat myself on the back, but actually to, to put that forward for people that are like, how do I get started marketing myself? It's like, well, share, share yourself <laughs> with the world, give people something to see. Um, this stop and analyze thing you mentioned, huge. Like I have to admit, even for myself, like taking the time to stop and look at, at status as a business is not something I um, am naturally oriented to do. I want to be in the technician um, mindset as often as possible. And so I'm trying to optimize for that, which I should be, but you know, there's so much else that goes into the business, the marketing, the CEO level stuff, the, um, um, accounting and stuff like that. So having the space and finding people, whether it's like someone that you can pay like myself or a friend or someone that's willing to give you the time, um, to stop and analyze. It's so important. We talk about Nathan Dantzler and how he has that ability to work in and work on his business, um, at like the, the, the snap of a finger, um, 
I don't, uh, but I don't have that ability, but he definitely does. And it's, it's really, uh, admirable because it is something to be thinking about. A lot of people are like, I'm an engineer, I'm just going to keep working, being the best engineer I could be. Um, but all the stuff around that isn't happening. And then you're like, I'm an amazing engineer, but I have not worked on a project in three months. You know what I mean? So it's like that, the, how you work on a project part is everything else. It's the, the analysis of your market, of who you're going after, how you're communicating, how you're presenting yourself, what strategy you're, you have. So two little tips right there. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Every, uh, so many people that I work with right now and I'm great friends with right now came from me just ding-donging around with stories and like showing people what I was doing or whatever and not caring really like if it was judged or not. Um, that's how I met Nathan and you and Spider, really every, all, everybody that's in our little world. Yeah. Um, as well as some of my other clients. So I'm, I'm actually needing to get back into it. I have not done enough of that. And I've kind of made a resolution to need more of it. So yeah. new, a new month re resolution instead of new year resolution. A new, what was this new month resolution, a new month. So starting March, yeah, I'm going to awesome. anything for the rest of February. Let's <laughs> be on the low. Um, yeah, I mean, you have something that's great, which is your studio in and of itself is one of those spaces where, I mean, you could see in the background and you could see through yeah. those on your page, like that in and of itself. Um, yeah, I mean, your studio in and of itself is like share, shareable, you know what I mean? It gives people something to, to aspire to and, and look to as inspiration, um, in a way it's a, it's hacking the system. It's getting you, you know, to go more viral in that way. I believe that's how I even found you, um, from seeing, well, I, I think spider shared a photo of your studio and I was like, wow, like just that image said so much about you. Uh, I knew the person behind that. I didn't know the entire person, but I knew a big piece of the person because only someone with such attention to detail, appreciation of aesthetics, um, um, commitment to the craft would build a, a space like that, commit to the space, make it beautiful, um, and make it, you know, feel, uh, just different, you know what I mean? So nice. that was a huge piece in, in terms of showing your work. I mean, that's, that's a huge piece. Thank you. Yeah. The, the room definitely, I would be lying if I didn't want to make it beautiful so that it represented me well, but more than that. You know, I've worked in these dungeons, like my whole life as an engineer, like rooms with no windows, uh, very dark. And after like touring around the world for a bit on the road with, um, the artist I worked for, I saw these, like, especially in Scandinavia, we would go to these places where they were just, they only get so many hours of light in the day they maximize what they get. And they have all these like white surfaces everywhere and just little touches of wood. And I was like, okay, I want to. My next studio, I want to do that to it. And, um, I didn't, anyway, I'll give you like a little bit of a design. What do you call it? What would it, what would it be? The, uh, design brief. Oh yeah. So it, I knew I wanted very minimal and clean. Um, I knew I didn't want a TV on the wall. Everybody has a TV in the wall, their studio. And the first thing I walk in, it's like just a black square, you know? I'm like, 
no, like, I really don't like that. That's just not me. Um, so I was like, well, I want to do a projector. And then I realized, well, I'm going to walk in and there's going to be a white square. And I, I was like, that yeah. sucks. And so finally it hit me. It's like, what if the whole room's fucking white? Yeah. And, um, and then I could like get the scrim and project onto it. And it's not like, uh, acoustic barrier and I could have my subs back there. And then it took me like a year to realize, oh, I can put the speakers behind it too. So anyway, but I walk in every morning and there's not a single morning where I don't get excited. There's this big window here that brings in natural light. And as I'm coming down the hall into the room, I'm just like, I can't believe I get to do this in here. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's great. And it's kind of like how this room is designed is an analogous to what you and I are designing, um, with my brand. It's like, I, I have all these ideas that I've kind of bottled up over the last few years. This took me six months to extrapolate out of my brain in real time with help. And it's like, I feel like you, if I'd hired an architect, I could have done it and, you know, like designed it five days, but I had to like, really, I had to go deep on a lot and a lot of time. You know, me, me figuring out things, um, getting help from my father-in-law, but then just a lot of like trial and error where it's what we're doing. It, it, we're, we're creating like, uh, creating all these tangents going off and coming back, like diverging, converging, playing out scenarios. Um, and I've got all these, uh, insights from other workshops you've done. So yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I was talking to a friend yesterday, uh, Addison, who I think is on here right now, um, about this idea of like taking these gems that you learn throughout your life and then folding them into the next phase and then folding those into, it's sort of like this endless convergence in a way. Um, and the gems come from diverging and kind of exploring different paths. And I definitely try to do that on the workshop, uh, as well as, you know, throughout my life. Um, but in the workshop specifically, it's like, Let's go on a tangent. Let's talk about your first, I have the workshop up in front of me, your first, um, you know, experience with music and let's explore that for 10 minutes and see, maybe there's something there yeah. and then take that story and fold that into the greater story that we're building and find more information and fold that in. And sort of this process of like kneading dough or something, um, to get it to the, to right consistency and the right softness. Um, I like that. I like that analogy. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of came to me yesterday and I was like, that's sort of another way of explaining that diverge, converge, which is very technical. Um, this kind of brings a more uh, organic, analogous uh, uh, analogy, I should say. Um, and you're very good at using both. Like we both know people that are, they seem to just diverge, 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 diverge. Or, and there's other people that, that perhaps aren't even allowing space to to dive in creatively and they're just converging all the time. Whereas, um, throughout this process, I've been really impressed with the way that you're able to go super deep on diverging and almost to a level that annoys me. Yeah. But I, but I get it. You know, it's like, at some point it's like, I don't know how to go further than like this dot that we got to from these 70 other dots, right? but right. you'll find a way to push through to like six more on either direction. Mm. And mm. then before, before, like right at the moment where I'm like, this is too freaking much. You like turn it back in, we converge on like something. And I'm like, oh my God, like, mm. um, I don't know if we want to get into like the axioms we came up with at the desert, but like it was, 
that was an incredibly powerful exercise yeah. that you took us through. You, um, I mean, we went to, I don't know how many, it was maybe almost a hundred words. hundred and I added it up. It was 120 words initially. And yeah, and it was, uh, it was hard one to get those words. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and this is what legitimately blew my mind is we went from 120 words yeah. that all had fairly divergent meaning. Mm-hmm. And then we landed on three phrases out of all of those words that you could go back and directly find every single one of those words contributing to. Right. Like hooks have been coded in those. Absolutely. Uh, and, and then you can go, oh, sorry, I'll let you speak. No, no, that. please, but, please. Yeah. But what I, what, so I might have conceptualized that before, mm-hmm. how you would take a lot of things, a lot of words, and then converge down to a very small amount of words. But what you've taught me through, uh, our, our process with my branding, as well as, um, the conversations process is that you can go back out again and diverge to further extrapolate those axioms. And it, mm-hmm. again, very impressive. Um, I've never seen anything like it and you do it extremely well. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Also your, your new name is Dr. Morgan. I, I have to. <laughs> Why is that? Because you're, you're the analyst, like you let go in, uh, go in, man. Um, it's like Dr. Katz too. Yeah. It's Dr. Katz. It's these glasses too. Every time I put Doc, them on, that's what I feel. You're uh, just Dr. Morgan from now on. Just, I, I can't, it's, it's happening right now. Okay. If I get earn an honorary PhD from you, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll, I'll print that out right now. Um, thank you. I'll put it right here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, one thing you mentioned, this idea of like when to dial it in and when to keep pushing, um, this idea of like, you're going down this path, you're diverging, you're coming up with all these new ideas. And there's actually a threshold where it can get uncomfortable. It's like, I feel like I've given my whole self to you, Mike. Like you've asked me all these questions. I am exhausted and you've told me everything. Why are we going further? Um, and I, that's actually the point. It's sort of a little trick. So if anyone ever works with me, this is intentional. You're now tired, right? The ego is depleted. The energy is depleted. Is there something beyond that, that we could find that, you know what I mean? Because as we go, we're like uncovering things, we're making connections between the things we uncover and we've exhausted the possibilities or seemingly exhausted it. Uh, you feel as though you've exhausted it and therefore you're physically, you feel that. And so yeah, that's the point where I'm like, okay, you know, in my head, let's give it another five minutes. Like, is there something beyond that threshold of comfort? that we can find that it's actually going to be better potentially than anything we've found so far. Uh, can we scrap everything we found so far for that one when you're just like, fuck it, man. Like, I don't know. Uh, I'm just this. And it's like, oh, wow. That's amazing. Like that, like, yep. just here's this quick thing, like just to end this activity. Like it's your, oh. in a way it's an effort to being encouraging the most vulnerability, the least guard, the least ego, the least analytical part of you because you you've exhausted it physically. And so to get there, I typically find the gym and then it's like, all right, let's go all the way back to where we were, maybe pick up another gym along the way and then fold it in, fold it in again. Um, and it's, 
that to me is why I'm exhausted after these workshops. People are like, what, you're sitting with a PDF or a spreadsheet in front of you. You're talking to someone that you're friends with. How is this hard? And that's the hard part is managing people's discomfort, also encouraging their discomfort and trying to get them past any threshold they've been through before. And then while managing that, finding the gems and being like, okay, there's discomfort happening here. There's gems being produced here. Let me manage both, grab that, you know, uh, um, forage that, you know, and fold it back yeah. in. So, um, but it's also important to know what people's limits are, you know, because some like, and it happens all the time. It happened with us, you know, we're going in and you're like, no, that's it. You know, like I I'm good. And I'm like, he's not good. Like there's, there's at least another five minutes. Right. And then you hit that five minutes and you have to make that value judgment there. Did, am I going to find a gem if I keep going? What's the cost benefit to be pushing? Or should I just dial it back and fold all the other great stuff we found? Um, and in a way, it's having faith that there will be something down that path. You know, uh, maybe it's not drilling down into this one area. Maybe in a day from now, after some sleep, maybe earlier in the morning, there might be a better way of kind of approaching that. Um, I think that's just such a creative um, practice to get into, which is like, when do you keep pushing your collaborators, even though they're uncomfortable? You know, if you're producing a record uh, specifically, when do you keep pushing that artist to do something that they've never done before and they're totally uncomfortable with singing at that that register or it, that that key that they may have never done before, but it's making their voice crackle in a, a beautiful way? Like, right even though they're so uncomfortable doing it and don't want anyone to hear it. And then you take that gem and you, you mix it with something maybe they were more comfortable with. And then you find that, that magic. So, um, but yeah, I'm very conscious of it because I don't want every day to be like, you, you're managing the energy over the course of five days. So I don't want every day to just be like, damn, bro, <laughs> you're killing me, you know? Um, but I do want to push it. Um, the same way we talked about sports in the desert, the same way a coach would do for the team. You don't want to have them all break their legs, but you want them to realize the limits of their potential. So totally, um, or the, you want them to push past the limits of their, uh, what they think is their potential. Yeah. I think the vocal tracking analogy, the vocal production analogy is where I went immediately in my head when you were talking about those, that makes a lot of sense. I'm at the last back to uh, working with uh, my buddy Lane Banning in uh, Greenpoint. He runs a studio called um, Moon Recordings. And I was recording my first album there. Went in, had never worked like in a pro studio in that way. Uh, and the vocal tracking was such a, um, it was a really deep record. It was about the loss of my mom. It was really, you know, deep lyrics. I thought I'll just go in, record it, get out. I don't want to think too much about it. And being in the in the vocal booth and the questions he would ask and the, you know, um, oh, why don't you try that harmony? Why don't you, you stop singing right here? And so, you know, the, that pushing where I was like very uncomfortable a lot of the time, but I did it. And then yeah. because I did it and it was good and I liked it, the next time it was easier, you know. Uh, That's it. Yeah. Totally good. Um. We're, we're getting some gems here, actually. I, I like this. This idea of, um, I wrote Get a Guide. I think that's really important. I think that, especially now, people are like, 
oh, you know, it, you know, we're in this age where you can exist on your own. You can set up your own Shopify store and sell things on your own. You can start your own music project and have no one involved, literally just you and an app on your phone and you can make a whole record. And like, there's this idea that like, you can get by without anyone. Um, and I like what you said. It's like, you know, I, with the studio, I could have had an architect help me and do it in one day or five hours. Um, but you, you went alone in that journey and there's benefits there for sure. But this time around, you're like, look, I don't know this branding space. I know I need it. And you were, uh, you intuited the fact, like I need to get a guide or maybe it was more intentional. Um, I, I like that a lot because I think it's so often where I'll speak to people about the work I do and you could just tell it's like, oh, I could do this on my own. You know, I could just find the questions that Google branding questions and do it on my own. And what, what would you say is different, um, having a guide versus not having a guide? Um, so you're the way, a lovely way you frame that because I want to be a guide mm-hmm. for someone else yeah. at a high yeah. level, you know, and I honor that by aligning myself with what I do at a very deep level. So it would be, it would not be honoring what I want to provide to people for me to go watch a 20 minute YouTube video on branding mm. and go off for a week and do it poorly. Yeah. Because not only will I get a bad result, but I have gone uh, and diverged far out of my proficiency area. Um, and then there's a couple things going on there. One, I've lost a week of flywheel on what I do great. E. Two, I'm sort of putting out to the world that I don't value uh, a true guide, a true, um, I don't value the thing that I'm purporting to say I do in that, you know, I want to hire people, I have a plumbing issue at my house. I could probably watch a YouTube video and go to Lowe's and get a bunch of crap and try to fix it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call a plumber because I mean, that's just who I am. Like, I feel like I have faith that I'll be able to pay these bills and things. Like I don't mow my lawn. There's other things like I used to have to do that, but I really try to hire out everything. Um, because again, it, it reinforces the mentality that my clients will get a lot of value out of me. Mm. You, you just touched on something huge, which is values as a concept, what you value, value you provide, and then the values you hold internally. Um, and I think a lot of times, especially when we do the values exercise or people think about doing the values exercise, uh, if you Google, you know, how to brand yourself or whatever bullshit, it will come up, write out your values and people will be like, da, 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 three things or whatever. And you can do that and then put that on your website or tell people those are your values. But I think to your point, it's like at the end of the day, like, do you value what you do? And are you willing to value the people that are doing the analogous of what you do in the world? Exactly. Um, I remember starting as soon as I started status, I, I remember speaking to my dad about this specifically and saying, I have never had as much respect for solo business owners or business owners in general until I started my own and realized, Mm -hmm. 
damn, like you're putting your friggin' life into this thing. You know what I mean? Like you're putting your, you're, you're risking potentially your relationships with people you care deeply about because trying to get this thing over the line, um, that has never been done before potentially, or has no rule book for, and you know, you can value lots of other things. And those are kind of almost motivations more than values a lot of times, but it's like, at the end of the day, do you actually value the function that you serve in the world? Like not just the form of it. And we talk about this a lot, form versus function. Form is like, I'm an audio engineer. I'm a designer. The function is like being a service provider to help someone achieve and um, solve a problem, achieve a goal, both motivation, whatever it may be. Like, do you value that function in the world? And do you believe it's worth paying for? Um, I'll go deep here for a second. My, my therapist and I had this conversation early on and he asked me the question one day, just point blank. He's like, would you pay for your service? Like, would you pay for Strong. it? Meaning like, do you value it? Because if you don't, that's like, well, why, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, why, first of all, why would anyone else? Sure. But it's like, do you value that function in the world? Do you think it's important that design help businesses, that business strategy help businesses, that branding could help a business? Because if you don't, it's not going to. You, the way you view the world will reflect that, um, that perspective. Yeah, I'm a huge believer in that. It's not obvious, but the way you, exactly what you just said. I want to say John Dirks is on here, or at least he was, I saw him. Yeah, I love that. He, I ran into him. He was referred to me by a guy last year. I got busy doing worship mixing uh, during COVID. There was like a lot of uh, bigger churches that needed a bunch of post-production done. And again, this is this thing, this principle we're talking about. I have always done my own vocal comping and tuning e. as a producer as a, and as a mixer when it's needed. But... I kind of always knew in my head, like, well, I could sub this out, somebody do it better and faster, and I would never even have to touch it. And then I could get straight into the mix creatively, but I would always kind of like, maybe just, just like do it, like almost holding my nose. It's just not something I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, and after I, I got a hold of John last year, I sent him the first project that we worked on. It was like five or six songs and the results came back within like a day, super clean, exactly, uh, with notes and everything, different versions. And I was able to just drop them in and I've never paid an invoice faster in my life. It was like, and we've been working on tons of stuff since then. He's like my guy. Hey, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. By the way, we're talking about JC underscore Dirk. That's yeah. Right there. Yeah, definitely give him Complete a badass. And send him your vocal company. Yeah. I, he, I believe he's really more of a mixer. I'll let him speak to that. But, but the point is, uh, he was destroying that for me. And again, I was able to fly. Well, I was getting more mixes out. I was turning in mm -hmm. projects early, getting more work. It's just that mentality always pays off and you're, you're a hundred percent right. Mm -hmm. Value your time and your abilities. Well, charge what you believe mm -hmm. worth mm -hmm. and not a penny less. Um, and again, it's almost like, don't take the cheap gig. I know this is like totally controversial. Yeah. Taking the cheap gig is no different than going off and watching a YouTube video on how to fix your dishwasher. 
Like it's, it's again, you're like, you're not valuing, um, people's contributions. Yes. Um, anyway, I don't know everything, but that's my, that's my philosophy. Oh, dude. No, that's huge. That idea that like taking the cheap gig is analogous with trying to do it yourself. And there's a lot of ego attached to doing it yourself. And I get a client in here saying that John did great on his vocals. I love that. I love that. Uh, um, you mentioned the flywheel a few times. I know yeah. uh, everyone was cracking on me in the desert about uh, using this concept from uh, Jim Collins. Um, this, it's, it's a great, it's such a good, yeah. It's a powerful analogy and or metaphor, I guess you could say. Um, and it speaks to how do you build a positive energy for, and I'm not saying this in like a pseudo spiritual way, like how do you build uh, positive momentum um, for the work that you're doing while also helping to benefit those around you or the things, the other things that you do in your life. So a good example is like, let's say you are an athlete and you're trying to get stronger and better shape. So you also train people. Um, and by training people, they're actually questioning your routines. And so you're learning how to get better at that. Right. And so by getting better and modifying your own routines, you're then getting better as an athlete. And then you're using that to train people. They're asking more questions. And so now you're creating this cycle. And so there's positive momentum because the thing you want to get better at is actually part of, it is the output of this entire machine that you're building that starts with your contribution and ends with uh, feedback that you can get better at. So um, worth thinking about that concept, thinking about how the different relationships, the different businesses that you have, the different um, respons- job responsibilities you have, how they can actually connect better um, and form this flywheel, this pinwheel, which I'm sure you've seen those little plastic things on a lawn or a little kid would hold um, that spins and it builds momentum because each pedal is helping the other rather than yeah. that negative flywheel pulling you in the opposite direction. Or just not having a flywheel at all, where you're doing all these different things. You're learning how to repair the sink, and you're trying to get better in engineering, and you're a producer, and you're songwriting, trying to get places. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do with scaling my podcast production services. Again, as I scale and I add more more uh, clients, I add more employees. Again, that flywheel, I can take my hand off of it and go tend to something, and it's still like rocking. Yes. Um, so it works that way as well. It's a good concept. That gets to the point about process. Um, oh, come on. We were talking to Graham about process in the desert. And then I, I turned to you and you were like, yeah, you know, you, you were pretty uh, nonchalant about your process. But um, wow. I, I think that you definitely do have process. Ironically, Nathan just joined, uh, who I think is the process king. Um, um, but and I definitely want to hop on with Nathan at one point, not today, but another call to talk about process and depth. But, you know, what role has process played in terms of serving you um, to help you get better at what you do? Uh, do you have an example specifically, maybe or an example of how it's helped you? Um, yeah, I mean, process is the left brain architecture that allows a creative to go full tilt with the right brain. The- in my Done. best way I can put it. <laughs> um, 
So I know when I get material in from say a podcast client, I have this click up experience that's just like it, it notifies my client notifies, uh, me or, or my assistant who like knows exactly, like he takes the baton he goes, runs off and does something, um, finishes that task. Then like, depending on what it was, it, you know, bangs into one of, uh, you know, me or the client to follow up and it's great. Um, I don't think of myself as having any mastery over process. And it's interesting that you make that observation, um, because I still feel like I'm trying to optimize at all times. Yeah. Uh, and when I see somebody like Nathan, uh, who is a process master as well as a creative master and someone who can just, again, we were talking about it earlier, Nathan, uh, you have this ability, like very few people I've seen to just zoom in and zoom out and go be creative and then zoom back out to this like analytical thing and zoom back in it. That's, uh, that's not a, that's not, that's not something most people have. Um, but yeah, I am working on my process all the time. And again, you're an extension of that. I'll say, uh, to extend that a little more, I think a lot of times I'll talk to creative people and they'll say, yeah, I'm working on my process. And this is not to put words in your mouth, but in general, what I've seen over sure. time, uh, what I've seen over time is people will say I'm working on the process. And really what I end up finding out is that they're working on the practice. They're working on the, like, how do I mix the song? to make it sound good, let's say, but they're not actually really working on the infrastructure of everything outside of even sitting down in the chair. Like you have the getting the work, you have doing the work and you have finishing the work. Sort of these three quadrants of uh, where you can funnel uh, idea uh, process. And so getting the work is a whole process in and of itself. Uh, doing the work is a whole process, finishing the work. How do you hand it off? Uh, how do you get new clients? Uh, how do you ask for referrals? Things like that. So mm -hmm. oftentimes people are super zoomed in on doing the work and just like the practice of doing the work, but not necessarily the process through which that work gets done. So it's like, do you have templates for things? Um, I know we're, who are we talking to? And they said, I don't have templates. I think it was, uh, Greg. Um, yeah, Greg's still on here. Yeah. Yeah. It was really great. And I love that because in a way, now we're talking to somebody who's masterful at what they do. So a little different, but I think um, getting started, this idea of, um, well, templates versus process are two different things, I'll say. Uh, they are, templates are kind of these, these multipliers of, of speed for process. But they're not necessarily required to have a process, you know, like right. how you set certain things up. Um, even the process of saying, I won't make a template that's part of it's now part of his rest it's an intentional thing he doesn't want that reverb it's he wants to hear the material and the process be what is my intuition right what, yes i i immediately came to mind this thing and then go add that and then the next intuition and the next intuition and that's process yeah yeah and i think no process you know when you have the getting and finishing the work process sorted, whether you have management or you have people supporting you or whatever, the doing the work can actually be more flexible and you don't need the process um, as, or you don't need uh, templates per se. To get started, right. it can be helpful to have them uh, for projects that are super, super repeatable. They're really useful. But for things where it's like, I'm working on this movie and it's like that. I'm working on that movie and it's like that. They're totally different. 
the process should support the difference. Um, so it should reject templatization of things and instead be a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Be designed to support the outcome that you want, which is really, uh, the real result of the process. Um, whether that's like partially a demonstration of your value, the quality of work that you want, speed, all of those things are really what's encoded into uh, a good process. So I could geek out on that forever. Um, and I've been writing notes about process, uh, kind of working on either, uh, book or PDF or a lecture or some shit, maybe just a podcast episode. I'm not sure yet, but um, maybe I'm just gearing up to talk with Nathan about it. Uh, it might just be that. But um, yeah, so I'm wondering about the workshop specifically. So what, um, I have a few questions here. What were your expectations going into the workshop? Like, was there anything that you said, I think this is going to happen? You know, I really trusted the experience. It's going to sound dope. I, I, I intuited again with you that I've got enough in me that I've got enough ideas that I know where I want to go. And I've seen you do enough work that, um, I wasn't going to try and skip ahead to get exactly where we were going out of it. I just knew on a journey with you. I had this belief that I would get all my, you know, it's like the, there's that saying, knowing what you know, versus knowing what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And I will say by the end of this, I, we've achieved more than I didn't know I needed to achieve at the start than I, than I knew I needed to achieve. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to even answer that question because, yeah. uh, again, I had faith in the process. I knew you were the guy and, um, and you delivered on that. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> um, I love this idea of knowing what you don't know. Um, I think yeah. it's really difficult as a, as a sales pitch of what I offer. It's like hard to explain to someone, Hey, like pay this money. You'll actually learn things you don't know. People are like, I, I'm good. I don't need to know the things that. <laughs> yeah. You'll you, the uncovering the blind spots of like trying to think of one in particular and feel free to jump in but we um you know i think i knew we were gonna make like a mission statement and have a couple of other like ideas that you would pull out of me but um but there were so many things that i'm like oh this is like a key principle in branding or marketing that i had never even heard of me and i think that's what i meant by knowing what you know versus knowing what you don't know, knowing what you know, you don't know versus right. Not like there's just things you don't know that you even need to know. Um, and that's probably what you were saying, but that's, uh, that's why you get the trusted advisor, the mentor, the, the person to guide you and walk through all these things. Yeah. Those, those four quadrants of like knowing what you know, not knowing what you don't know, knowing what you don't know not knowing what you don't know those four there's four of them yeah it's just the okay. permutations of kind of flipping them all right you're gonna have to send me that graph later because i'm gonna have to like that into a graphic and post it on status i like that there we well, go you know if if you don't know if there are things that you don't realize you don't know there's a huge value there in exposing that or have that's that's again where when you get a guide that's where a guide can help is that they can show you things that you have no idea that you need to know you don't even know where we're a thing at all. Um, and the things that you know that you don't know, that's 
just great because that gives a foundation for a guy to be like, oh, okay, like, let me explain marketing to you, or let me explain how to make a proper mission statement or the function of it or whatever, you know? Um, and then there's things that you know that you want to know, like you're like, hey, um, or maybe you know about it and then a guy could help improve those things, right? So it's like, I already know about um, design, I'm obsessed with design. Okay, cool. How do I take that obsession and turn that into uh, your specific design language? Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think there's four, but I'm not even going to riff on that because I don't know it well. Awesome. Do it on the fly. Okay. One thing, some, it's one more thing I didn't know. I didn't know. There you go. <laughs> um, I forgot who said it. There's a quote of, of that, like the, forget who it was. Drop it in the, the comments if you know where that quote about known unknowns is from. Um, there was something that we took away from the workshop that really stood out to me. Um, and I think it's really applicable to anyone providing any service. This idea that like, when I asked people what they do, they're very quick to say, I'm a designer and like, that's it. And I'm like, cool, put that on your website. Like there's a million fucking people that are going to say that. Right. So like, yeah. then what, you know, and we got into that, you know, I was like, what are you looking to do? Like, what is your, what is your goal? Um, ah, amazing. Thank you. It's really nice comment. Um, you know, what is, what are you offering? And you're like, I remember the first thing you said, and it was like mid frustration with the exercise. Like I, I'm an audio engineer. I'm like, cool, man. Why? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what are you yeah. trying to do? Um, and a lot of people would literally stop there. Um, and again, without a guide, you're like, all right, what do you do? Brand exercise. I found on Google, like I'm an audio engineer. And then you stop right. and you're like, fuck yeah, I'm branded. Like, Amazing. I saved like three grand on this, you know, whatever. So, um, I knew, yeah, but, um, you know, so you answered that question and then I said, okay, well, why, like, why are you doing that? Um, and I believe I remembered all of this, like the, the week of, but it was like, well, I'm trying to get the highest quality output uh, that I possibly can. I said, that's great. Like, but if it's the highest quality output and, uh, the tree falls and no one hears it, like, does it matter? Like, okay, well, why are you doing that? Like, why is that? Why is there energy there? But it's not the thing. No one really cares about what audio engineers deem as high quality unless they're audio engineers. And then you are like, um, well, I want to help get my client's message across. So, um, so then uh, you were like, you know, I want to honor my client's uh, work. And we touched on, you were like, and then you just threw out this fucking gem. And I was like, taking notes like i was like what'd you say what'd you say say that again hold on like i was typing vigorously because you said i want to honor the ideas thoughts stories and emotions that they have um you know that they're recording and i said oh that they encoded into the audio and then it was like okay now we're on to something what started as i just want to be this audio engineer uh who's great and fucking everyone thinks is so great turned into really what you wanted which is I want to honor these ideas, thoughts, stories, and emotions. And I was like, cool, that's great. But that doesn't even fucking matter. Why does that matter to you? What is the change? This that's is where I had a real problem. I was like, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> that was one where you really had to jerk me over the fence there. Like, yeah. Yeah, because we were we were now zooming out. Like we were like, 
you know, 10,000 feet up at this point. And I'm like, well, we're going to go 20,000 feet. You know, like there's no oxygen up there. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, and I was like, well, okay, so let's say that works. And this is a question I love to ask. What if it works? You know, a lot of people are like, what if it doesn't? Like, what should we do? Like, we should have this money reserved here. We should have this plan, plan B, plan C. I was like, well, what if that works? What if you do honor the thoughts, ideas, emotions, et cetera? And right. what happens then? And, and I don't think you were able to answer it. And I was like, I wanted you. So I, I gave you some time again, giving them the time. But when I realized like you were struggling with it, I said, because I, I had the answer at that point, which is the change you're making is helping people connect with that. Once they connect with that, they can engage with the world differently. They have new ideas and information. And then by engaging with the world differently, that's where you get to this, you know, high level, like, you know, whatever, um, world changing speak, which is the most zoomed out you can go, but it's talking about, uh, this idea of putting information into action. So you have putting information into action, being affected by how people engage with the world. And they're engaging with the world because the audio uh, honors the ideas and the audio honors the ideas because the engineering's so good. And so you have these tiers that you're building on top of, but really what you're doing is trying to put information into action through high quality audio engineering. Um, so I think oftentimes this part is overlooked uh, dramatically. Oftentimes it's just like, yeah. I'm an audio engineer and I'm out and that's it. And as a result, you're actually not honoring yourself. You're not honoring the work you're doing. You're not giving yourself a mission that's bigger than yourself and just like what you can do in this tiny dark room. But, in, you know, you're, you're kind of putting an invisible cap on what you're capable of. And I think that is easily the worst thing anyone can do. Uh, and it's, it's easily for me the best part about what I do for people. I will say, uh, you've asked me a couple of times and that's what I expected to get out of the workshop. And I do remember now something I said to you two or three times, which was, I want to wake up in the morning and know what my elevator pitch is and not in a huckstery way, but like in a, I want to wake up, but like, I have all these axioms I write for myself in my journal. I know who I want to be when I wake up in the morning, but like, um, but I wanted to succinctly have in my mind what I was doing with my business, um, not only so that I could tell someone in a flowery way and concise way in a moment, mm -hmm. but also that when I'm walking around uh, the studio or I'm getting up or I'm doing whatever, I know, again, mm -hmm. like that process we did in the desert, like the process that you and I've done, I have these simple axiom, the simple, uh, simple two lines of, of words strung together in a sentence that that embodies the values and the ideas of what I'm trying to do. And that, that we like totally nailed you, or you helped me figure it out, but it's, uh, that's, that's massive. And again, that's worth, you know, something like that alone is worth spending all the time and energy and resources on achieving it much less everything else that, that we've done. So. And I appreciate that. And I, I checked in with you every day because, you know, um, the workshop as of right now costs $3,000 to be a part of. So it's a, it's a big ask and I'm very sensitive to this. And I talked to you about it in the desert. Um, and I think I talked to Spider and Rory about it. Like it's very, I'm very sensitive to the cost of that. That's a new laptop or an iPad or some dumb shit that you want. I don't know. Like it could be anything. 
or it could be uh, a microphone or a million journals, <laughs> like um, or a few nights in the desert, or literally three nights in this desert. Um, so you know, which is also valuable. But um, <laughs> but, but you know, I was very, I'm very sensitive to the value that you're getting out of it. And I want, and I checked in with you throughout because I wanted to make sure that this was valuable enough and even making small modifications to, um, to the overall kind of process that I have to make sure that we're getting, we're squeezing the most that we can out of, um, the, the fruit that is this, this exercise. Um, and it made me very happy to know every day that we checked in, um, that you felt as though you were getting that value. So. But I think that feedback is, is a big thing. I often ask for feedback on an ongoing basis. Uh, I'm naturally a researcher. I ran research right before your workshop. I've been running research at businesses for a long time and I love doing it because it is the most pure, um, signal into the minds of another person that you could get. It's just intentional inquiry, uh, over a specific issue, you know, and it's all it is, is a feedback loop that you're creating. Right. But, um, so for me in my business, I want to create that feedback loop. Um, when I was working with, uh, PMC or, uh, when I was working on the initial project for PMC, I should say spider was over every night and I would ask him before he left every day, how he felt, you know, what he was thinking about the project, et cetera. He thought that like I was intuiting something wrong or there was something wrong with me, <laughs> but, um, but, and it took us a while to clarify that cause I didn't realize right. it, but, um, it's really an effort to understand where are the individuals of this collaboration? Where are they at checking in, getting what I called automatic updates in the desert, you know, like every minute you change, you, you're exposed to this new idea, maybe this live or something, and you've changed now. And so the next time you see someone, you have different ideas than the last time they saw you. And we don't often think about that. Like the person, the Dylan that I saw and I gave a hug to at the Tesla charging station is not the same one that I'm talking to right now. And so, and luckily that's not a long time span. So not that much has changed. But like some collaborators you don't see for a month or a week or, or uh, a year. And so where they're at changes. And so when you're doing like difficult work like this, where every day you're drilling down into different areas and things are happening outside, I think it's so valuable to check in casually, but just where are you at now? Can I get this automatic update of where you are now with the process? What do you, how are you thinking about it differently? What's changed since you know, 10 AM or yesterday. So I don't know, another kind of tip that I want to give to people listening, like it's seems weird and could confuse people without clarifying what you're doing. But, um, once you clarify it, it's a, it's a really valuable thing. No, it's very good. We started every day with, you would reframe what we, not reframe, you would recap what we did the day before, mm-hmm. and then you would make sure we had a good frame of mind. Again, like re-upping, like what we've done, where we're going today. And if I, when I was getting out of it and I had any questions, it was great. And that's another thing, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, both of us are in the business of change, right? People come to us with one thing and they leave with another thing. Um, it's not the same thing. People are like, oh, I mixed the same thing. I get right. It's like, but it's not, it changes 
the function or it might even change form from where it starts to where it ends. Um, yes. And I think that the process of continuing to reframe to fold those gems back in kind of helps that, that process. Yeah. Um, and to honor that collaboration. That's like, they can't possibly do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we're, we're a little bit over the hour, which is fine. I'm actually really enjoying the conversation. Um, do you have any questions for me? I'll start with about like why I'm doing what I'm doing, the workshop itself, sort of any behind the scenes stuff that you want to know? Um, it's a great question. I'm curious to hear more about the design side of what you're doing, because I think that's something you're kind of like, I, we worked on design maybe the last day mm -hmm. and, um, it was a lot of fun making that design brief and watching you kind of get the first, um, set of ideas going. I'm curious, um, what that process looks like to you without my involvement, like, what are you doing? Like, how does that develop mm -hmm. further on out? Yeah. So for clarity for the people on this, um, the last day or not the day before the last, so the, so the fourth day we do an exercise around, um, style and defining that style. So basically the way it breaks down is that we define some, some core values of the business. We then do some research into, um, graphic design styles that reflect that business. I have the client in this case, Dylan selects like over a hundred different design examples. And then we just keep folding that down by 50, by 25, by 10, until we get to a place where we have from a hundred plus designs to 10 designs that represent the style that he's going for. And then we sit together and discuss why these, you know, why did we choose these? And it's amazing because it can be anything from the thickness of a line. Um, so we get to this point where there's 10 refined design examples. They're not my designs, just for clarity. They're, they're other people's designs. And now we're going in on it. And it might be uh, something as small as I'm obsessed with the thickness of this line. So like, I love the way this yeah. color makes me feel or the way that these colors actually look. Um, there's such a wide variety of what we could take away from it. And so it's half an exercise in understanding your taste. Um, so anyway, yeah, so the, the style workshop, right? When that ends, I now have a way better understanding into, into how your mind looks at, at design work. And now I have a better uh, understanding of the principles of, of the, the design principles that actually make up how like, uh, your taste. Um, and so I could take that now and I have specific examples, but I also have specific language that then allows me to open up my design software and now create as through your mind, you know, obviously using mine, but now having this, um, this augmentation of what your taste is sort of sitting, uh, in the sidecar with me as I right. work. Um, and so it gives me a lens through which I can say, yeah, it's probably not the thing or it is the thing. So, um, yeah. Question for you. Sure. How does this room, which I don't think we talked about that at all when we were doing the design brief. Yeah. But just curious what your ob observations are like after doing that exercise, like, is there any tie into what this is? Yeah, I think, you know, 
for me, I, I think color simplicity is one thing. I think like the lack of color uh, and the boldness of what is, um, is, is reflected in your room. It actually reminds me of when I worked with John um, on the gift shop branding, like the, the core of that branding uh, visual identity part specifically was like, what does his room look like from above? That was sort of my initial concept. So it was a very architectural view of um, his loft from above. Uh, and then using that, the kind of using the idea of space. And if you go to his website, you could see that play out, it, I think in the, in the most realized way, which is like using overlapping elements and spaces for things uh, the same way he would organize his, his place. But then also taking the color palettes of his actual space so that these two things lived harmoniously rather than this weird dissonance of like, you're presenting this when I walk into your studio, but that when I see it online or something. So right. building that harmony, I'm conscious of that as well for you. Um, because there needs to exist a harmony between the creator of the, the business, the operator of the business and the identity, at least in the first early years. If it grows beyond you, then it's time for a rebrand and maybe you can start folding in new elements. But early on, I think that's, you know, it's useful to fuse them. Um, and so that said, what we were looking at were some abstractions, some thin lines, black and whites, circular designs. Um, you know, I see a black stair bow. I think that's the nest behind me. Oh no, it's a clock. It's a clock. Yeah. 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 Uh, right there. Yep. Yep. So like, you know, of course I'm taking that into account. Um, and in my design file, I'll throw oh, in this, uh, the grid of lines yeah. came up like so many times. I saw that too. Um, it's messed up. yeah. So, you know, taking that into account, like a photo and putting the photo of your space in my design document is yeah. really, really useful because I want these things to be in conversation with each other. I don't want them to be right. <laughs> I don't this want them to be from when I was 23 years old. Amazing. It is so anti-flag-esque. I love it. It's like techno anti-flag. I have another question for you. Sure. Um, that's more related to the workshop. So we've been talking about um, collaborations. I think it's a good theme of, of what we've been talking about just you and me the last few weeks. Yeah. But so, and I've told you why you were my ideal collaborator. What are you looking for in an ideal collaborator as far as providing the workshop and the design services for? So what I'm looking for in a collaborator, it's actually interesting. I have it on my website when you go to the top of both case studies. So the PMC and the hit lab case studies, I actually explained the client specifically. What I loved about the hit lab, um, sorry, what I loved about PMC is Maurice gave me free reign and free time to do what I do best. He wasn't imposing a, a time on this needs to get done right away. Uh, and he trusted, trust is huge, that I would do that. You know, I've been a project manager and I, I can manage my time and I know the amount of time needed to get things done. Um, but he gave that like full autonomy on the project. I mean, the most autonomy I've ever had on a project, which is like, I'm not even checking it. I just assume it will be done and I trust that it'll be good. So autonomy is point made. to be made there about the best clients are the ones that, uh, that are like, you know, go for the big gig. 
Yeah. Often that's where the good clients are. Like, yeah. It, it's interesting how those things work. Um, but yeah, so uh, autonomy was huge. Like I, and autonomy in the form of, I trust you and the work quality that you can output. Therefore, I don't feel the need to micromanage you because of that. But also naturally, I don't feel that way. Like as a person, I didn't earn it only. It wasn't like an earned thing I had to fight for. It was the person that is Maurice already trusted that, already wanted to partner with people who he can give full autonomy to. So that's big. Um, openness is really big. I want to know if you're frustrated, confused by something, um, excited about something, want more clarity somewhere. Um, I want people like Nathan who are down to go in the trenches with me if I ask or if the project needs that, um, or even if it doesn't, if, if they just want to geek out and enjoy it, but letting me drive and being supportive in how they can be. Um, Nathan's incredible at that. Like we can just dive deep and, but then he'll be like, okay, I'm good. It's, you know, it's on you now, you know, and not in a way that's like, you know, pushing tasks off, like knowing where to, to let go. Um, people that give good feedback, that's something that you don't get often. I think feedback is something that should be taught in schools. And in my future school, it will be taught probably as the first thing, um, because an example of good feedback, uh, specificity, I would say is, is fundamental, uh, honoring intention is probably the first thing. So like, Hey Dylan, I know that your goal in this project is to have the best representation of my business in this logo. I feel like it isn't representing me in this way because, you know, like you're putting this negative imagery and I'm a really, really optimistic, positive person and brand. And, you know, right. Instead of being like, Hey man, I hate that logo. And I'm like, why? And you're like, I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. Like that's, there's nothing there that I could actually use to get better. So. Um, basically in an abstract, providing good feedback means I can use your words to actually improve something rather than do self-harm or do another person harm by saying, um, this isn't good and that's it. Right. So constructive it, criticism. Yeah. Yeah. I, constructive. Yeah. I mean, I think that's another term thrown around and I would break down feedback into, it, it needs to be specific. It needs to honor the intent and show that you understand the intent to begin with. Because if you're like, oh, I know that you were trying to communicate this. And I'm like, oh, no, I wasn't actually. Um, then that's a different kind of conversation. Um, or if you're like, I knew you were trying to do this. And I'm like, yes, I was. Okay, but it didn't do that. I don't think it did that because whatever. I can grow from that. I can learn. You can learn. Um, so I think uh, there's that. I think feedback also is really about language, developing a shared language. It's an opportunity to develop a shared language, but also it's really friggin' important to realize that you don't have a shared language at the start. So like, this is a practice in which you develop a shared language. It's not right. like to assume that you being like, this sucks actually means the same thing that I mean when I say this sucks about a design is way different. So right. you just might mean, oh yeah, I love it, but I don't like the red. And I might mean the entire design is bad from different attributes. Right. You know what I mean? So <laughs> this is amazing. Um, Dr. Morgan. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
there's a big difference there. And so realizing at the start, it's sort of like priming yourself for feedback to give and receive it. It's like, we aren't speaking the same language. We know that we're going into it knowing that. And then everything past that is like, we need to get on the same page. Let's start with intention. Let's be very specific about the thing that you think is tripping you up, even though it might not be because you don't know design in that way. You might say, I think it's the color, but I'm not sure. And it'd be like, oh, actually, it's because the lines are so close, it's making this weird vibration. It's not the red, it's the space in between the lines. You might not know that, but then from me explaining that, you can learn, and now we're developing that shared language. So feedback is an art. It's easily, it, it, again, this is in the design process or the music making process. It's 90% of the gig, you know what I mean? And people are like, well, I'm a great engineer. It's like, cool. But do you know how to have a conversation about the work in a way that is useful and, you know, has a better outcome? It's a question to ask. It's a question to explore. Um, but feedback is, is definitely a big one. Hope that helps. I hope that's, that's great. I just was curious what you're, um, yeah, what you're looking for in an ideal client. Yeah. yeah. That's great. But maybe what a client, maybe somebody doesn't know that they need, this is a good question. And somebody know they need your services. That's an interesting one. Uh, and one I'm still exploring, I'll be honest. Um, I think that part of it is education in general around like that I need to do uh, in terms of outreach and education, things like this are important. Um, but I think if you're, if you're starting a business and you have no idea of where to go and you're completely feeling overwhelmed, or if you've had a business and you've been operating it for uh, a year, two years, you're profitable, uh, you have, your books are good, you see money on the horizon, you're not yep. in this scarcity mindset, uh, and, right. you're and you have a mindset of, of investing and understanding what investing meant, what the investing mentality actually is. So if you're running a business, it's been successful, you have this intuition that there's something missing or you find it difficult to explain your business or you're not getting enough business in general and you don't understand why like you might even be speaking to people and not getting the gigs or you don't really know how to reach out to people uh, you don't know where to start uh and right. usually the way that translates to the the common man <laughs> the non-designer is i need a logo i need a website i need this i need that um I, I was talking to JC, JC Derricks, and he asked me about a logo and a price. And I said, actually, that's not how I work. I don't start sure. there ever. Um, because usually if you need that, you're willing to pay money for, it, uh, for an artifact. I want to know why you're even spending money on an artifact to begin that with. That artifact has to be informed. Right. And it, it's going, that artifact. So what I always say, and I think I said this to you is it's going to exist in the world. That logo will exist in the world, whether you're successful or not. The difference is that that logo will exist in the world and represent nothing or something or some, some mix in between, or your business won't last for that logo to ever even really connect with the public. And so right. we're both wasting our time. You've wasted money. I've wasted my time. You've wasted your time. And the world has benefited nothing from it. So to me, the reason I start with the workshop is it's a real demonstration of commitments that you have to really investing in your business, not just making a logo because your friend has a logo. Like, right. you know, type your name up and use that for now. 
when you're ready to actually invest in growing the business, bringing in more leads, learning how to speak to people um, about the business, that's where my services are really useful. And then the design, I think it's worth clarifying what design is in this whole thing, which is design is a form, right? It's a form. It's just like uh, the AirPods case is a form that has a function. Like this case has the function of holding these things in it and charging and whatever. So the form of design is useful for certain functions, one of which being communication to the outside world. A well-designed thing is going to be looked at longer. It's going to be understood better. Uh, it's going to ideally, you know, break through and be decoded quicker than a poorly designed piece, you know, that someone does in um, one of Canva or some app on their phone. Um, so that's one thing about the the where design fits in to the marketing um, space. The other part is, um, I feel the coffee uh, slowly wearing off right now. On the, the other oh, part, yeah, it, yeah definitely. Uh, I got a few more sips. So logo, where does the logo fit in? So the whole communication piece, like I said to you, we're trying to encode a ton of different values and ideas and, and thoughts and products even, and a conceptualization of an entire business into a form, which is a logo. So that when people look at the logo, they can now extract all of the things. Like it's giving them a funnel to put all the ideas about your business into. So your logo could be a target, like for target, it's simple. It's two circles, right? But now everything I know about target is imprinted into that specific thing. Whereas if you just typed your name out, it's just a bunch of letters. It's hard to insert meaning into that. So right. the logo has that function. The form that is a logo has that function. It's giving a, a vessel to put and then to project ideas about your business onto. The website, totally different thing. And it's weird because people tend to want both at the same time. I don't know where in, in history they've made that connection, but I let me. The website's function is totally different. The website's function is to be overt about your business. For me, it serves multiple functions. One is which uh, telling the story of your business, your value, what you're about, what you're not about, whatever the hell you want to say about the business and a means in which they can, can buy and they can find that path to purchasing your stuff. Um, it's ultimately that. I use the, the hidden pages on my website as a sales tool as well. So I use the form of a co of code on the internet, the form of that um, to function as a means of instead of printing out papers and sending it to people, here, go to this link that's private that will explain the branding workshop in depth or that will explain this in depth. So <clears throat> it has two functions. It is a... Um, awareness vehicle. It, it helps people uh, become aware of what you're doing. It tells the story. It helps drive the sale. Um, and it's also a place to kind of create digital documents that you can share with people and live updates so that they're never reading dated information. So the logo, a funnel in which your ideas are encoded um, and decoded from for the, for the end user. And the website is a place where ideas are actually overtly presented. Um, content Another form, content is stuff I do for the Hit Lab and, and conversations, PMC. Content is a means of continuing that engagement with the public. So continuing to share your values, your ideas, your offerings with the public 
Um, ideally on a recurring basis, like we were talking about how can you post every day without it being a chore? How do you continually engage people um, is really what content is there for. It's like if you were to say one thing to your audience every day, what would you say? It would change on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It would change from month to month. Um, but that's, it's, that is about regular recurring communication. So you have the logo, which is a funnel where I'll start, I'll actually end with the logo. Um, starting with the marketing communications, right? Starting with the content. Content is a recurring conversation with your audience. The website is usually like a one or two time conversation with the audience where you're just saying, here's what we do. Are you into it? Do you fuck with this? Do you subscribe to, to what we're about? Yes, I do. Hit buy now, done. And then the logo is the entire experience I've had with you. I'm going to, as a customer, I'm going to project all of that into that yeah. logo. So it sort of works backwards. And that's why I find it funny when people reach out, they're like, hey, I need a logo. I was like, do you have anything else? Like, like do you have content? Do you have a website? Because you need those to like, really, I mean, obviously people can project onto your logo just from engaging with them one-on-one, -on -one, but in terms of a digital form of that, you need content, you need the website, uh, and then the logo is a place to imprint. Same way you would with Nike's logo or Apple or anything. It says what you want it to say. It's amazing. It's and so, so it's like, that really goes into my whole, like way I'm always relating things back to the subconscious. Mm. You know, when I see the status logo, like subconsciously that recalls everything that I've ever experienced with status that I can recall in a moment. And it, and it has that meaning it has whatever that meaning is and that feeling right coded in it. And it's going to be different from you to, to, to Brian, who just wrote in to anyone else. Right. Yep. Um, and be informed. Right. And so it's interesting because really then it frees you up with the logo. The logo could literally be like a circle. And as long as people know that's your circle, people can project meaning onto it. And so the process of, you know, with status, like building this, this brand up was putting that logo out there in every chance I could to, to help people start making that connection with me, my ideas and the business that I'm trying to lead. Um, Brian just wrote in, uh, is content development part of a workshop? So it is. Um, I would say that the meat in which that, that fuels the content is sort of the first four days. And then the last day is specifically about content. So we actually select a bunch of different types of content that we would want to, uh, use. And then like, like themes of content, like, uh, interviews or, um, you know, photos of the studio or whatever, we, we select different ones. And then there is a, um, exercise in which we actually calendar it. So every single day or Monday, Wednesday, Friday or whatever. We actually put it on the calendar where those pieces of information go on the calendar. And then the last part is we look at three months worth of, I know a year worth of content. And so we say, all right, if uh, every day of the week you're doing a studio photo, or sorry, if one day a week you're doing a studio photo, that's 52 photos. Is that it? 52? It is. Yeah. Weeks in a year. So then it's like, okay, we could either literally sit there and write out 52 ideas for photos, or you can hire a photographer have them take a uh, hundred photos and whittle it down to 52. But it gives you that platform of like, this is not only what I want to say, this is also what I need to actually uh, get to, to actually have content for a year. Uh, and then it lets that engine run on itself. You don't need to think about it every day. Right. And you know, you could modify as you go, but it's, it's out of the way.
becomes very low bandwidth. You're just maintaining it. Exactly. And uh, it was amazing to see you do that with me. Uh, like literally taking the calendar, you're extrapolating out of my head, like all these different ideas for, um, content, IG lives, like people like engage with themes for blog posts, all these other things. And it's like, oh, wow. Like now I look at it and it's like, this framework's done and it's not nearly as challenging or as daunting of a task to think like, oh, I've got to do all this stuff because it's just like pre-sorted. I just have to go in and start banging them out. Great. Right. Yeah. Then it's just, it's just a execution task, which I should mention we can do for you. I have a copywriter. Obviously I design it. Um, but that's, that's a whole nother conversation, but we, we do offer that and sort of that's sort of that bridge, right. Of like a workshop to the design process, which is how do you now bridge that gap that in and of itself is sort of the last step of the process, which is, you know, we're making a piece of content. How do we maintain the integrity of the brand in that piece for each sentence or a hashtag or a graphic image that we put up for me? Um, this idea of, uh, having funnels for ideas is something we didn't really touch on, but it's something that I learned from, uh, Stephen Wolfram by way of spider sending me a link to his, uh, Instagram, no, uh, YouTube interview and, um, it's for ideas. Yeah. So Stephen Wolfram is like total genius engineer. Um, yeah. he is the guy that created Wolfram Alpha alpha, which fuels Siri and also, um, is its own standalone website, insane source of data and data manipulation and data gathering. Um, he said in an interview that I'm just going to paraphrase it. I'm going to add some of my own narrative to it, but basically that early on realizing that there was a need for a places where ideas can incubate, um, and live and thrive. So. He had this idea to create different businesses. Um, that was a good question. Uh, he had a, an idea to create different businesses and different offerings in which if you were like, like when we were on the workshop and Spider and I came up with like 50 different t-shirt ideas, like we have no funnel where that can exist. So like they just die. Right. But if we had like a t-shirt funnel and people knew about it and were like into it and were subscribing and buying, we could just keep throwing shirts in that funnel. And then it's, it's like, it's its own thing. And then the podcast business is its own funnel. So anything, ideas about a podcast, anyone you speak to about it, um, you know, status is a funnel for a very specific things. The Convos podcast, um, right. but coming up with these conceptualizations, Instagram accounts, businesses, um, it is, it is the dream life. It's really just a means of organizing where ideas that you're excited about can, can incubate. Um, and so it's very simple. Um, it doesn't even seem difficult to set up, especially nowadays, you can make a web page or, um, a Instagram account in seconds. And so it's just a matter of like having ideas maybe, and each one might have a different team attached or whatever, but I, I love that concept and it's helped me diagnose the areas in which I don't have those funnels. So for example, the t-shirt thing, it was like, it's sort of that classic LA thing is, yeah, we should hang out or we should do this. But if you don't funnel it into your calendar or you don't funnel it into a meeting or you don't funnel it into something, it won't happen because there's nowhere to process it. So, I don't know. Uh, Brian asked, did, Dylan, did you bring a bucket of ideas to the workshop or did Michael bring it all out of you? Well, if it's asking me, I would say I brought uh, a pint of ideas. 
Uh, and then you pulled another bucket or two out of me, and then you also brought your ideas as well. So, um, yeah, I had, I had a rough idea of what I wanted to do, but it, again, I don't know if Ryan was on when we first started talking about this, but I knew you could extract all these things. There were, there were things that you got out of me that informed my brand from as recent as like two weeks ago, all the way to like when I was five. Me. And it's like, yeah. just mer- like going deep on all those, like the meaning of why I'm an engineer or the meaning of like, why I did these other things in my career, the meaning of why I feel like my musical ear can work on dialogue driven content. Yeah. Um, all of that is, are things that I knew, I knew I was bringing some of that and I wanted you to figure out how to help me showcase it. But you also went so deep on the meaning of all those things I brought in and, and we added to it. Yes. Oh, integrated. Love that word. Been obsessed with that word. Um, yeah, Brian, it's an interesting question because the word ideas in and of itself can mean so many different things. Like, you know, Dylan bringing in the idea of what this could be is a big idea. Um, but also very, I think you're, you might be mentioning more tactical ideas. Like I want to make this piece of content or I want to make that piece of content. Um, that stuff is generative and it's all through the workshop. So he brought his memories, his experiences, his current ideas that he might be brainstorming in his head or developing. We got all of those outs of his head and onto paper and then dug deeper into kind of the rationale behind those ideas. And then it was about now we're, we're on the same page, quote unquote, like we are, I understand you. I know the meat of what you're working with in terms of the, the idea space that you were navigating within. And then how do we extend that? How do we insert new ideas into that? Again, this, we've now identified the, the, the bounds of the funnel that is the podcast. Um, what can we funnel in here that is appropriate that would thrive in that environment? So. Um, those ideas, those generative ideas were generated during the workshop, but the sort of fixed ideas, I don't want to say fixed as in like fixed mindset or that he wouldn't budge on it, but like fixed as in developed ideas, um, that were sort of fundamental to what this thing was, were obviously brought in and, and maintained and respected because you don't want to start with a foundation of, 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 uh, quicksand, you know, so we totally, that core idea was there. Great question. Yeah. I've got maybe 15 more minutes, but that's. Yeah. I got like another five. I'm actually heading over to John's. There's this company called Tula Mics, T-U-L-A. The ones that we had in the car on the way there. Okay. Um, they want to film like a promo video. So I'm going over John's. I'm really going over John's for coffee, to be honest. Because uh, <laughs> he has some of the best in the hood. But um, totally. yeah, I'm going to be a famous uh, advertisement person. Um, so it's, it, you asked me about, um, what the next step is with the designs. Um, so I'm going to be, I've already been brainstorming a lot of, uh, what they could be. I'm actually, I think this will be kind of cool. I can, um, show you a sneak preview of what I'm working on. Hello. Here we go. So no one's ever seen this. Um, these are the most raw, unrefined, far from complete work. Um, but qualified as much as you need to. No, no, I will say that because all of these might not exist. I love them, mm. but 
I just want to show you kind of how I work. So here are some ideas that are in progress. Whoa, look at all those. Um, and, you know, it's hard to tell, but they're fucking huge. Um, so are they vector? Is that what yeah, yes. So, I mean, like, there's just a lot going on. These are early explorations. I put like a yeah. word in here. Um, yeah, so I'm toying around with it. I don't want to prime you too much, but so I'm gonna turn the camera off. But, um, yeah, that's so the first step is me just sitting down with my subconscious taking away everything that we spoke about and being like, where is my head at? You know, what, what does my subconscious want to see? Um, and then before I get too analytical, I actually just started reading a, a research report um, in the, uh, this academic journal that I picked up on creativity and aesthetics. Um, they just released their latest um, issue. Send it to me. Yeah, I'll send you actually all the PDFs because research should be free, but we live in a fucked up world of not respecting science. Um, but anyway... I digress to say that I do subscribe to it and, um, the, actually I'll open up the folder. So I'll remember to send this to you. I sent it out to the art club members. So it's the psychology of aesthetics, creativity, and the arts, oh, uh, volume 15, number one, just came out, uh, Monday. And the study is about sort of this idea of priming, like about idea generation when you're analytical to the, from the start versus being analytical throughout the process versus not being analytical throughout. They're kind of looking at how that led to more or less creativity. Um, there's some amazing articles. They use the word divergence like all the time. So I feel at home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a really cool academic journal. One of the only that I found on, uh, it's an APA like um, journal. And it's the only one I found on this topic area. So um, it's super dope. Uh, so I subscribed to it, uh, which I really would just email all the individual researchers and ask them to send it, but there's like hundreds of researchers per issue. So it's worth buying. Um, yeah, go with your gut, exploring the role of motivation in aesthetic, in aesthetic experiences is one, the neglect of idea, diversity, creative ideas, generation and evaluation. I mean, just awesome, awesome topics. Uh, How did you go with your gut one? Because that's the limbic system, which is like subconscious. So yeah, I just love that people are committing to exploring what it is, what creativity is, and the nuts and bolts of it, instead of just being like, "Yeah, man, I'm an artist." Like that's it. You know, like there's so much more to this field, and the more we respect the science behind it, the better we understand what we're actually doing. The better we could actually be at executing on those things. Um, how can you set up an environment if you understand that early idea evaluation is gonna lead to worse outcomes? How do you set up your working environment to reflect that, right? Um, totally. So, uh, yeah. Well, awesome. what do you say we wrap it? Yeah, we did it, man. Yeah. Good. Dylan, thank you personally so much for hiring me for dealing with my, my work, uh, for being a great team player and, and, and being willing to go out on a limb and stretch yourself despite the discomfort. Um, thanks for contributing your ideas and for, um, giving me the autonomy to explore mine. Oh, yeah. Thank you for 
uh, offering your unique, uh, what are we going to say? Your unique contribution mm. uh, in a meaningful way and allowing me to uh, be guided. That's great. It's awesome. Um, very thankful. And you're uh, seriously talented at it, Dr. Morgan. Dr. Morgan, signing off. Or I will never call you Michael again. <laughs> All right, dude. Have a great day. Peace. Later. Bye, everyone.